Good afternoon. Welcome to the North Point of View. Here with Dr. Walter Kimsey's. Walter, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. How are you? I'm good, man. Well, we started uh, last podcast was uh, 2023 uh, underlying theme of uncertainty, and obviously, you know, labor is is a big component of that. Um, we've got headlines this week. Um, you know, some white collar layoffs. Um, and then the, um, the labor, labor stats uh, came out this, uh, I guess, this morning. Yeah. And uh, really strong reports. So h- how do you sort of take uh, both ends of the story and, and come up with something that makes sense? Yeah, I think, uh, well, the, the, the earlier comment this week, Paul Page had in his Wall Street Journal Logistics Daily was that NS said that they weren't going to fire any of their layoff, furlough, anything, any of their blue-collar employees that they just hired. Right. The, By uh, the way, both you and I have blue-collar on today, right? Oh, that's right. So <laughs> we're working men. <laughs> we are working men. There's no doubt about that, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, uh, you know, all the railroads had fired a ton of people because that guy who went to CSX, uh, he was going to run longer trains and uh, with, with more precisely, more precisely scheduled, right. didn't happen. Uh, but he did get rid of all the staff that generated a lot of money so that more dividends and share buybacks could be done to make the Wall Street people happy and drive the share price up. Right. And the other railroads came under pressure to do the same thing. So they all did. Well, um, during the pandemic, the worst part of the pandemic, the railroads failed miserably. Sure. They just didn't have enough people to do it and it was hard to hire people. So uh, I, I don't know about the other railroads, but NS hired something like over a thousand people and they started training it. Now you can't develop an engineer or a, or a conductor for these trains uh, in such a short period. It takes at least a good year, I hear. I've never been trained as one, but uh, it takes a good year or so to, uh, to get them everybody up to full speed. So the thinking is, you, you keep these guys because once the recession's over, you're going to need them. And it was really hard to hire people right. in the last year or so. And it continues to be very hard. Yeah, I think, what was the, what was the number this morning? 517,000 new employees, new payrolls. Did that number surprise you? It blew me away. I was supposed yeah. to be on a call at 8.30 with our friends at JLL. And I was five minutes late. Chris texted me. And so I got on and I apologized and they said, what happened? They said, the labor number came out at 8.30. That's the time the data yeah. comes out. And when the number came out, I thought there was something wrong with the report. I actually went to the Bureau of Labor Statistics to go check to make sure that, I, that the number, that's what it was. And it really was 517,000. So I've been surprised in the past, but this one just knocked me off, my, off and, the chair. I just, and so what does that mean for us you know, as we um, we try to, uh, and I don't want to walk around inside Jerome Powell's head, mm-hmm. but but what's the what's the net effect of this, and how do you think the Fed looks at this? And then, of course, we know today the markets are, are down point point and a half, percentage uh, point and a half. H- how does the Fed? take that number and then basically at some point save face, 
because the other numbers are coming down, right? Exactly. So I suspect that he had advance notice of what the number was going to be because he went on such a crazy rant or tirade, you know, when he made the announcement that they were going to raise the Fed funds rate by a quarter point. And, you know, shaking his finger at the, at the country, you know, we will keep this up, you know, you know we, we're not going to have a repeat of the 70s. And it's like, uh, dude, we're out of, this is not the 70s. But nonetheless, I think he saw that and he was thinking that um, there's something in economics called the Phillips curve. And you, you plot inflation on the vertical axis and you plot unemployment on the horizontal axis. And basically, as unemployment gets really high, inflation is very low. And then when unemployment gets really, really low, inflation gets very high. And uh, it's a nice idea, except it hasn't really worked very well in the longest time. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not working right now, is it? No, it is not working right now. <laughs> so, uh, you know, unemployment fell to 3.4%. Uh, that was the, the number that came out. And so uh, in, in, in some, some Gaga guy's head, thinking it's the 1970s, oh, it must mean inflation is going to rise. No, I don't think so. <laughs> But, you know, that's, that's the, the, the mentality. It's a failed theory. It doesn't really hold up very well. And uh, uh, it's outdated. So the problem with these guys have got to understand is looking forward, um, we currently have 160 or so million people on the payrolls in the U.S., non-farm employees. The, Fed, the Census Bureau forecasts that over the next 10 years, 5 million people there will be 5 million more people in the working age population in this country. The participation rate in the labor force is 60%. So 60% times 5 million, that's 3 million. Divided by 10 years, that's 300,000 people per year entering the labor force. With job growth like we saw last month, 517, and then last year, we had 3 million more people hired. It's about 250,000 per month. This is... Um, this is uh, scary. I called my old dissertation advisor, Dr. Tom Saving, still around, and uh, I, I said I need help. I can't. I'm going to have to pull out my old macroeconomic theory models, the mathematical ones, and rework them because I don't. How do you? What do you do? So he told me that I should look up the literature on equilibrium population growth rates, and um, the other one is. Uh, I've been studying Japan. Japan's lost a lot of people uh, since 2006 when its population declined for natural reasons for the first time ever. Now we have a lot of countries in Europe whose populations are shrinking. Uh, we're barely growing. Right. And so uh, we also have this mistaken idea that we can use immigration to solve the problem. The problem is, is that the, as other countries get more prosperous and more of their people go live in cities. You know, in the country, more children is an asset. Right. Okay. But in the city, more children is a huge liability. Sure. And that's why urbanization and higher incomes have resulted in, in negative population growth. So um, this is spreading. Latin America's populations aren't growing very fast at all. They're growing as slowly as ours is. So if you if you do go get immigrants and you bring them into the country, that first generation, they have a lot of children. They want to make sure that they, can, they can't be pulled out of the country. But their children didn't live in the other country. 
they're Americans. Okay, we're in Europe, they're Europeans, and the data shows that they have as many children as the average American or European does. They, you, they, the immigrants do not keep having three, four children, next generation, three, four children, they don't do it. It, it, it declines pretty quickly. So uh, you get a, a, you know, a false you know, sense of growth when you do that. The, you, what you could do though is increase the immigration flow uh, every year, and then you might get that, that stronger you know, growth rate. Well, we need a policy. We need a national policy, exactly. obviously. But, uh, but right now, I don't think the Fed realizes that we're only gonna get 300,000 new workers entering our labor force at this rate, and our country does not have an immigration policy. So that's, that's a problem. <coughs> there, I didn't see one single politician in the last election talk about immigration or an immigration policy. Yeah. Maybe somebody did, but not that I heard. Um, that is our, a, a very urgent issue for the economy. And I think that, you know, as we, you know, roll through, you know, Q1 and Q2, that, that, um, that sort of friction mm -hmm. between the Fed and what I'm going to call the, the Fed think versus reality yeah. uh, is creating that uncertainty and labor is going to continue to be sort of a sub-theme to that whole conversation. Exactly. I mean, right now, uh, there, there have been more strikes in the last year, year and a half, than we've had in the last 20 or 30. The balance of power is shifting from corporations to labor. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as we, um, as we look at the dynamics, next topic will be uh, home construction, new home uh, numbers that, right. you know, we continue to see sort of a, a, a disconnect between what the reality is and, and what the, you know, propositions are locally and statewide. Exactly. Yeah. All right. See you next week. Thanks, Walter. Take care. Yeah.